Nomine Patris et Filii Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Santa Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Amen. In nomine Patris et Filii Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Brethren in Christ, laudetu Jesus Christus in secula. Viva Cristo Rey. Jesus Christ is King in secula seculorum. With the prayers of our Holy Fathers, Lord Jesus Christ our God, have mercy on us and save us. Amen. In the late 19th century, there came a movement in Italy to take over the Papal States, to invade the sovereign nation of the Papal States, which was governed by the Pope himself. This was a movement to unify Italy by the liberals. Before this, Italy did not exist, the modern country. There was various city-states, and one of them was the Papal States. Now, the Papal States encompassed a great chunk of modern-day Italy. It stretched from coast to coast, and it was a very large chunk, and it was a sovereign country. The Pope governed his own country, going back to the domination of Pepin all the way back in the 8th century. But there was a movement to unify Italy and to invade and take over the Papal States from the Pope. So invade the country where the Holy Father lived and governed and governed the Church of Christ. And there was a movement called the Ninth Crusade. You can read about this in John Rao, Black Legends of the Light of the World. The Ninth Crusade drew Catholics around the world to come to the defense of the Pope as the forces of liberalism continued to make incursions into the Papal States. The Ninth Crusade united Catholics from around the world to defend the papacy and defend the church. At the climax of this Ninth Crusade, as the liberals were closing in, Pope Blessed Pius XI, I'm sorry, Pius IX, he called the First Vatican Council. So not only were the, there were soldiers from around the world, pious Catholics, defending the Pope from these invaders, there was also the bishops from every country came to Rome for the First Vatican Council. And the monarchies throughout the world during this century, this century of blood, bloodshed, only foreshadowing the more terrible bloodshed of the 20th century. Monarchies around the world who were being torn down, customs overthrown. You had the Communist Manifesto written in 1848, the first feminist convention in 1848 in the United States. And bishops from around the world gathered in Rome to solemnly dogmatize the monarchy of the church. And this monarchy was dogmatized in the definition 
the definitions in Dei Filius and the definitions Eterne, uh, Pater Eternus, Pater Eternus. And right after they finished it, the liberals broke through the Ninth Crusade and they took over Rome. They had just proclaimed the dogma of the infallibility of the Roman pontiff when the liberals finally broke through and they took over the papal states and the ninth crusade was a failure it had failed to defend in its mission to defend the papal states the papal states were taken over italy was unified and the liberals created the modern state of italy the pope in protest called himself a prisoner of the vatican completely protested this violent incursion into his territory and the next pope leo the the 13th began to expound more and more in more encyclicals than any pope had written up to that point the saving truths of the faith while he was a prisoner of these invaders now in by 1917 world war one was raging our Lady of Fatima was coming that year, and in Rome, a Polish seminarian named Maximilian Kolbe went to Rome. Now, Rome was under dom- dominion from all these liberals. There was no Vatican City at this point. There was, there was just all, the, all what we find in Vatican City today, but it was all under the dominion of the liberals who had invaded and taken, seized with violence, the Pope and the church. Maximilian Kolbe found this. This is from Kolbe, Saint of the Immaculata, page 31. The event which triggered an immediate need for such a movement of renewal and evangelization occurred in Rome in 1917. It was during the bicentenary of Freemasonry, and the Freemasons were making Rome the theater of their sacrilegious demonstrations. In their hatred of the church, they marched right up to the doors of St. Peter's, where the Pope was a voluntary prisoner. Boldly they displayed their banners, which read, Satan must reign in the Vatican. The Pope will be his slave. At the same time, they were distributing pamphlets attacking the church and the Holy Father. The military blood of the young friar boiled. His reaction to his confreres, Colby wrote, throughout this challenge. In the face of such attacks, this is from Colby, In the face of such attacks of the enemies of the church of God, are we to remain inactive? Is that all we can do? Complain and cry? No. Every one of us has a holy obligation to personally hurl back the assaults of the foe. This is the reaction of a holy man. At a point when Rome was humbled. Rome had been humbled many times before this. hundred years before that, Napoleon captured the Pope and he died in a French prison unburied. He had proclaimed that the church was over. And there was a massive revival which resulted in the Ninth Crusade, which ultimately ended in this failure and taken seizure by the Masons and the Liberals. But Colby sees the Masons proclaiming that Satan will rule in the Vatican. And what does he do? He is inflamed with zeal 
to fight against the enemies of Holy Church. And he founds the Militia Immaculata, going all the way to Japan to spread the gospel and save souls. He is a champion against the enemies of Holy Church to save souls. And as we all know, he wins a glorious crown of martyrdom at Auschwitz. So, St. Maximilian Kolbe, this is the reaction of a saint to what we witness in the United States today. Today, it is much more subtle. We don't have banners about Satan reigning in the Vatican, but we know what is going on. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But the problem today is that there are no saints. There are no saints arising to do battle with Satan, like St. Maximilian Kolbe. We don't have a Padre Pio that we can go consult about what's going on here. So, here's the problem. I'm going to read, here's from uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, Gulag Archipelago, abridged version, page 75. If only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? This is the problem, brethren, is that we have identified the enemy wrongly. We have recognized enemies of Holy Church as St. Colby recognized them, but we did not react like a saint did. We wanted to fight wrongly. We wanted to fight according to the world's rules of fighting, not according to the rules of engagement of our King, Jesus Christ, in the way that he conquered. And how did our Lord conquer his enemies? How did our Lord conquer the principalities? St. Paul makes a reference to the right of triumph which is where the Roman, Empire, the Roman emperor would parade his enemies, his victims. He'd bring the king that he had just conquered, and he'd parade him through the streets, and then he would slaughter the king in front of everyone as a display of his power. And St. Paul says, Jesus Christ triumphed, making use of this word, he triumphed over the principalities and triumphed over them in open show triumphing over them by the cross. The cross is the way that Jesus Christ has conquered the enemies of Holy Church. And the problem is that we have not embraced the cross. We have not embraced the cross as St. Colby did, as all the saints have embraced the cross because only the cross can conquer the enemies. Only the cross. The cross is the weapon. And what does this mean? Let me tell you what it means. This is Saint Life of St. Thomas More. This is the cross, gentlemen. 
This is what St. Thomas More said to his executioners. His, he was in the, or not his executioners, but he was in the courtroom. He was condemned to die. He had given his defense. He was condemned to death. And this is his response. They said, do you have anything further to allege in your defense? St. Thomas More says this. More have I not to say. But like as the blessed apostle St. Paul, as we read in the Acts of the Apostles, was present and consented to the death of St. Stephen and kept their clothes and stone, that stoned him to death, and yet be they now both twain holy saints in heaven and shall continue their friends forever, so I verily trust and shall therefore rightly heartily pray that through your lordships, Though your lordships have now on earth been judges in my condemnation, we may yet hereafter in heaven merrily all meet together to our everlasting salvation. This is the cross, brethren. It is the love of enemies. It is conquering over these enemies with the cross. This is what we have failed to do. Because we have become so worldly that we fight according to the world. And this is to our shame. I'm going to read from Humility of Heart. Because the cross is humility and suffering. This is what Bergamo says. It is easier to be humble in adversity than in prosperity. And it is, in, it is impossible to say how much temporal happiness influences man to be proud. They are not in the labor of men. Thus the prophet king speaks of sinners and adds, Therefore pride hath held them fast. Adversity counterbalances our self-love and prevents its growth. This is what we need to think about today. We are suffering adversity. We need to rejoice and be glad and embrace this cross. Listen to what Bergamo says. For on the one hand, adversity makes known our frailties to us, the more so when it is unexpected and grievous. And on the other hand, it compels us to turn our thoughts to God, implore his mercy, and humble ourselves under his hand, as did the prophet. In my humiliation I called upon the Lord, and as one sorrowful was I humbled. Therefore, if we know not how to bear our tribulations with cheerfulness, let us at least endure them with patience and humility. Oh, how precious are those humiliations by which we acquire and learn to exercise humility. It is then that we ought to exclaim with the psalmist, Thou hast humbled the proud one as one that is slain. Afflictions are not wanting in this veil of tears, but there are few who know how to use them as a means of becoming humble. Grant of thy mercy, O my God, that I may be among those few. This, brethren, this is what we need to be speaking and thinking about right now, is humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, embracing the cross of suffering, and loving our enemies. Because we want to demonize the Masons, we want to demonize the Marxists. Listen to what Bergamo says. We should ever learn lessons of humility from the faults of others and say, if I had found myself in like circumstances and had had the same temptation, perhaps I should have done worse. 
If God does not permit great temptations to assail me, it is because he knows my weakness and that I should succumb to them with eyes of compassion. He sees what I am, a weak man. Brethren, we are weak because we have followed the ways of the world. We have drunk deep in our idle luxury that we live in in Euro-America. We live in a society of a, a plutocratic, idle, luxurious opulence. And we do not know how to do penance. And that is why we fight like the world. We fight like weak men. And that is why we fail to convert our brother. That is why we place a shame on the name of Christ because we are not worthy of the name of Christian. If you fail to love your enemy, you are not worthy of the name of Christian. He who loveth not knoweth not God because God is charity. He who says, I love God, but hateth his brother is a liar We have all become liars, brethren. We have lied to the world. We have said we are Christians, and yet we have failed to take up the cross. We have hated suffering. We have loved luxury. We have loved comfort. We have hated our enemies. And so we are no better than the world. Jesus Christ says, our King, if you love those who love you and hate those who hate you, what good is that? That is what the Gentiles do. We have failed to convert our country because we have failed to love the cross. We have failed to preach the gospel and love the suffering that results, the hatred of Jesus Christ's name. We must do penance. We must do penance. And that is the calling. That is the mission of this apostolate. Because Brethren, our, our fight is against the eternal enemies. Here's the distinction. There is the eternal enemies, and then there are the temporary enemies. The, the Roman Catechism says, says this about the enemies of Holy Church. It describes the parts of the church the church militant, church suffering, church triumphant. And it says this, the Roman Catechism says, why is the church militant called militant? And here's what the Roman Catechism says. It is called militant because it wages eternal war with those implacable enemies. And then it names them. Here's the three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. These are the enemies that we wage unceasing war against. And this is our focus. These are the eternal enemies. These are the enemies number one versus the temporary enemies, which are flesh and blood humans. All the Marxists, all the Masons, Jews, Mohammedans, every other enemy of Christ, we seek to convert them by truth and charity, by the holy gospel of Jesus Christ. But we cannot do that unless we are waging eternal war against the world, the flesh, and the devil. The Canaanite nations, 
are understood by the fathers as types of the seven deadly sins. The, the nations that God commanded them to exterminate, make no peace with them, he said. Tear down their altars, exterminate them, and root them out of the land. And that is, needs to be our militant attitude towards the world, the flesh, and the devil. We need to wage eternal, unceasing war. Because the problem is we have chosen luxury and comfort. We want our likes on social media. We want our technology. We want sumptuous food. We want great security, whatever it is, in this opulent luxury that we live in. It is no wonder that we have been conquered by the forces of evil because we love to have comforts for our flesh. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is the pressure from this fallen world. The flesh is your own sinful nature descended from Adam, and the devil is the, are the fallen angels. We do not hope to convert the fallen angels. We do not hope to convert Satan. We wage eternal war against him and his fallen angels. So the weapons for that are three crosses, just it is the cross, and there are three weapons against these three eternal enemies. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Almsgiving fights against the world. Against the pressure from the world, we go on the offense. We go and we give alms, and those are spiritual and temporal. It includes preaching the gospel and converting souls, and also taking care of the poor and homeless, and the helpless, and the vulnerable. Pro-life work. Widows and orphans. We've been taken captive by the liberal theologians, the liberal uh, liberation theology Marxism, because we haven't taken care of the poor. We need to, almsgiving is going on the offense into the world with Jesus Christ's gospel to save souls. Then we have the world, the flesh, and the devil. Then we have fasting. Fasting is against the flesh. Bodily fasting, which is primarily from food, not any other sort of fasting, because only food fasting, taking away food and drink, attacks the concupiscible appetite within you to master the flesh so that you can be a man of God and stand against the enemies of Christ. And finally, prayer is against the devil. Prayer is the primary weapon, the weapon most feared by the fallen angels, the weapon that the fallen angels will do anything. They'll even get you to fast rather than pray. Praying is their most feared weapon. So the, missile, the mission of this apostolate is to preach this message, which is simply the gospel, which is waging eternal war against the implacable enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Roman Catechism again, speaking of confirmation, by confirmation we are armed and arrayed as soldiers of Christ publicly to profess and defend his name, to fight against our internal enemy and against the spiritual powers of wickedness in the high places. Because we go out as soldiers to liberate man from Satan. This is what 
St. Paul says, he says he was commissioned to deliver men from the power of Satan to the power of God. And that is how we conquer the enemies of Christ who are flesh and blood. That is how we conquer the Jews, Mohammedans, Masons. We convert them, we bring them to baptism. But we cannot do that if we are so worldly and hateful and we lack charity. Because this does not convert the sinful soul. It does not convert the hardened sinner. Truth and charity. This is the, the foundation. St. Thomas says that these are the form of every good work. Truth and charity. Every good work has truth and charity. There can never be a good work which is only truth and not charity or only charity and not truth. If you have truth without charity, you are simply presenting a truth without considering how it can be received best by this individual. You're not actually willing the good of that individual. What good is it to proclaim the truth without charity? You must have charity for their sake because it is for the sake of souls. It's not for your own sake. You're not trying to proclaim the truth just for yourself. You're not like the Pharisee praying to God Jesus Christ says he prayed with himself. I thank you that I'm not like other men. That is truth without charity. Now, charity without truth is simply sentimentality. It is sentimentality. It's simply emotions. All you care about is emotions. Once again, it's all about you. Only the cross of suffering. If you love suffering, you can... Do good works with truth and charity. You can preach the gospel with truth and charity. But we have to wage unceasing war against the world, the flesh, and the devil. We have transferred our focus from fighting the implacable enemies to fighting flesh and blood as if we, they were the implacable enemies. This is our confusion. This is what happens in most media. This is what happens on the internet. All over the place. Catholics are are loosening their tongues. They are loosening their tongues. Jesus Christ says, Matthew 12, 36, every idle word that men shall speak, shall they render an account for it on the day of judgment. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall render an account for it on the day of judgment. Do you fear God, brethren? Do you fear God? Do you fear the day of judgment? Then speak truth and charity. If you can't do it, close your mouth. Hold your tongue until you can wage war against the flesh and the devil and the world. And then you can speak with truth. And then you can truly be charitable. And then you can truly convert your brother, convert your family. Hold your tongue, brethren. I know it's so easy on the social media. That's what it's designed to do. It's designed to give you a dopamine rush when you get a like. It's designed to give you serotonin rush or whatever. That's exactly what they designed it for. They designed it to make you effeminate. They designed it to make you attached to likes and all this nonsense. So that you're speaking all these idle words for which you will stand in judgment, you will give answer to Jesus Christ, our King. How many souls have you led astray?
by what you've said on the internet. You will answer for them. Let us repent. Let us repent, brethren. Let us turn to Jesus Christ and fight against the real enemies. And then we can have enough of God's grace to truly fight against the enemies that we face in this world. All of the enemies of Christ who have flesh and blood. Those are the enemies that we can then focus on. This is the mission of this apostle. This is what we have tried to do for these months that we've been on the internet. I don't like the internet. As I've tried to explain, I think that the internet is a, a place of darkness, a place of sin in, in a great deal for many, many people. And I, we need to repent. We need to use this. There's great potential, though. There's great potential for the internet. I was converted to, to the Roman Catholic faith because I made contact with Roman Catholics on the internet. So I know I am eternally grateful for this technology, the internet. But we have to use it properly. We have to use it for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you do not have the virtue to hold your tongue on the internet, get off the internet. Jesus Christ said it, it's better to be maimed and enter life than to have two hands and go into the fires of hell. So cut off the internet if you can't handle it. Now, we live in this techno-plutocratic idle luxury opulent society and it's so difficult to deal with this is just such an important aspect of this but this is the message this is this is our mission of the meaning of catholic uniting catholics against the enemies of holy church by means of truth and charity and the enemies of holy church are the world the flesh and the devil and then we can deal with the enemies of flesh and blood. They are lesser enemies. They're less of a problem. They're the, the primary enemies must be dealt with first. So that is the mission of the meaning of Catholic. And so I am calling on you, brethren, to join me in this fight. To do penance. Lent is coming. Septuagesima, what, what day is it? It's the 20, 20th. Septuagesima is January 31st. It is coming up. Septuagesima is just three Sundays before Ash Wednesday. We need to consider our souls and repent. Now, this mission, this apostolate, we hope to continue and expand. If this is, if this is at all edifying to you, if this is not edifying to you, if it's not helpful to you to hear this message, to, to interact with these resources or anything that we provide on the internet, God bless you. And, but this is what we hope to achieve with God's grace by your prayer. So please pray for this apostolate. We, I want to point out the viewers to three key texts on the, on the website, meaningofcatholic.com. And that is, those are linked below. Um, one is the, just the about page, which is just breaking down some of the things I've talked about here. And I also have the confession of faith, 
And also there's the internet promise. And this is something that I and all the people who work with me at Meaning of Catholic, we have tried to fulfill this promise. And this, I, in my opinion, I think this is the means by which we can function on the internet and truly fight against the enemies of Holy Church using this technology. So I'm going to ask you to repent. This is, this is not my place. I'm just a layman. But we need to repent. We all need, we, we all need repentance. This is the answer. Now, I, I have greater visions for this apostolate that we can expand. Now, if, if God wills it, if God provides, then we will do it according to his will. If God does not provide it, then we'll continue with whatever we can. But we have, in my opinion, I think the most important thing to address is the spiritual life the mechanics of the spiritual life, the, the important sources of the spiritual life. That's what we have on the website under resources or articles addressing these things. I think another aspect of this, how do we rebuild Catholic culture, rebuild Catholic tradition, Catholic families? Part of it is returning to our history returning to having our true history and understanding that and, and loving our fathers, the history of our fathers. This is what my upcoming book with Tan is what we're trying to accomplish here with this book is trying to create a compact, readable history for the faithful, which illustrates all of the major crises of the church, how the church came through those crises, what has led to the crisis we're facing and how is what is the solution out of it and i think when we know history we have a great deal of hope because the church always faces these unprecedented crises where there is a certain there's some sort of certainty that it will fail so these are some of the vision that and there's more i'm going to say in just a minute but this is what we need most is prayer and if there's any support you can give us by prayer, please pray. Please pray for this apostolate to give greater glory to God and save souls by means of truth and charity, that we can convert the enemies into friends, that we can convert just as our fathers faced the, the Northmen, the Vikings, who came and raped and pillaged. This is why the gospel at the Latin Mass is prayed towards the north. The priest turns and faces the north. And this is the means by which we conquer the Northmen. They were slave traders, brutal barbarians. And our fathers faced them down and converted them to Christ. And this is what we need to do again. So, studies in the spiritual life, history of our fathers, but we need your support. Now, besides prayer, we need financial support. That will help us expand this apostolate. I would love to pay people who are working with me. I, right now, I work a couple of jobs 
and I don't have enough money to pay people. Um, I don't have enough time to work on other projects. Another project I would love to start is further translations. There's lots of translations that need to be put out there, I think. One of them is moral theology. So here's the one volume from Primer. But in my opinion, moral theology is one of the most urgent needs for priests. And translating Primer's three-volume set, which is his more extensive moral theology, is in my opinion, one of the most important, to provide this for priests. Another thing that's not translated is Lapide's commentary in the Old Testament. This is a, hu a large text, but it's very crucial because such an important part of, of this is returning to a proper understanding of sacred scripture, which has been incredibly twisted in modern times. Another important thing I would love, if I had more time, I would love to return to street evangelization. Um, there's a great organization that does it already, and they, they do great work, and I'd love to continue that work with your support. Um, most especially, um, family resources. Families need to know how we can bring up the next generation and that they may not fall away. Because the saints must arise. That is how we get out of this mess. The saints arise, as they do in every era. Now notice, very few saints' parents are canonized. And it's not because they weren't holy. Many, many saints came from pious families. And it is out of our children that we can have hope that the saints will arise. We need to be becoming saints by combating the world, the flesh, and the devil. But we need to be raising up saints who can take this to the next level. To that end, I think an important thing is all of the things that Kennedy and I have talked about from time to time is all of these practical things. How to, how to interact financially, how to, your, you know, your budgeting, how to weight lift, how to homeschool, family traditions. These things that are so eminently practical and so important for raising up the next generation how to do these things. These are the things that we need to really come together. I would love to bring together more and more of the resources of people who are already doing so many different things like this to really bring together the family guide because there's very few families who are able to make it through the generations. This is the key. This is what I'm going to go through with my book in that so much of the key is the next generation, being able to solidify the next generation so that the saints can arise out of the next generation. There was a St. Raphael Society in the 19th century. Um, was a movement of, the, of Catholics who noticed that the great majority of immigrant Catholics who come to the United States, 
their children lose the faith. And they were trying to mitigate this. And they were trying to deal with this problem because this is the whole problem, is that our children lose the faith. So what good is it to have nine children if eight out of nine lose the faith? And how do you do that? How There are so many com- complex things to bring the faith to the next generation. Now, this is difficult because I'm a convert. I did not grow up in a Catholic family. But in my opinion, this is the answer. This is the answer is raising our children in the faith, keeping them Catholic. How do we do it? How do we parent? This is such a crucial topic that we need to emphasize more and more. And I want to emphasize. So this is the mission of a meaning of Catholic. So I am appealing to your generosity to support this mission. If you've benefited from this, to give, to support us, patreon.com slash meaning of Catholic. This is what we need to continue, I believe. Now, if you've benefited from this, please support us. But most of all, please pray for us. Please support us in prayer because we can't do this without God's grace. We are in desperate needs of, need of God's grace to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. We are in desperate need. We, we need every one of us. We need to be humbled under the mighty hand of God in this our time. Now, I know I've been fired up in this show, so if anybody has any thoughts or questions, um, we can talk about those. Um, I haven't really paid attention to the chat. I know I want to apologize as well because sometimes there are people in the chat who are abusive in some way, and I can't always moderate it. I would love to have somebody who would be willing to be a moderator. Um, and so if there's anything, uh, anybody interested in that, if anybody has any sort of skills that they want to contribute to this mission, please contact me, meaningofcatholic.com slash contact. Um, there's people that I've met doing this who are people who are good at IT, people who are good at um, different aspects of things that we need to get into. Um, let me just take a look at a few comments, see if we can talk some more. Um, yeah, just so you know, I, I'm not sure if the gospel read to the north was actually directed at the Vikings themselves, but I do know that the uh, to the north had been already considered sort of the dark the dark area is to the north was always the roman the roman mindset was the dark the darkness is to the north which was where the barbarians were and then after the barbarians were converted then it was the yet more terrible vikings so it was always sort of to the north that the gospel was proceeding and the north was always considered to be the dark uh evil place where all the evil came from so that's the origin of that to my knowledge um yeah, homeschooling. I think it's just it, it's so huge. Um, let me see. Do I have a PO box to mail a check? Uh, I do have. Uh, you can you can mail a check. Um, 
I do not have a PO box currently. I had one, but then I didn't. It didn't uh, get set up properly. So, just contact me, meaningofcatholic.com/contact, and we can give you anything from uh, the uh, to to get you connected with a mailing address. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, but uh, otherwise, Patreon.com/meaningofcatholic. I'm, I'm, and the other thing is, we are also on BitChute. So we're on BitChute. I'm looking into Liber. Um, the I think it's L-Y-B-R or something like that. But we're looking into different tech stuff because obviously the Marxists are a tech empire and they're going after us and going after everybody. So I'm closely watching. And if anybody, if anybody has tech skills, please contact me. I need your help trying to work through all this tech stuff. I know some tech, but I'm not a I'm not very extremely tech savvy um but we are on gab and spurn so these two other social media platforms as well that are more catholic friendly um yes darius is asking yeah to my knowledge i've never heard of there ever being a commentary of of lapide's commentary on the old testament there i most of the new testament is translated in english um but to my knowledge all of the old testament that's never been translated. I mean, if you've ever heard of it, please let me know because that, that needs to just be promoted because uh, if you don't know who Lapide is, Lapide is the greatest Catholic commentary on sacred, uh, sacred scripture, period. It is the greatest. Um, I believe he died in the 1700s, if I'm not mistaken, but um, a patristic scholar who is absolutely phenomenal, really the, the, the best. I mean, I, I don't know anybody who even comes close to him except for St. Thomas Aquinas, but he only did the a cer- certain number of books. Lapide did the entire scripture. Um, suggestions or book lists for good reads for families to re- read together. That's that's a great, um, a really great thing to talk about. We um, we have. I mean, we've been just discovering too. I mean, this is the thing. Is like like I said, I'm a convert, and I have I have children. I have an older children too, or older child too. Um, but I'm new to this too. I'm discovering what is best as well. I want to learn from the wisdom of Catholic families who have endured three generations and everybody's still Catholic. I mean, that is something where they have great wisdom. And so I'm just trying to gather together the wisdom of these Catholic families to bring them together and to create a space where we can all have these resources together and work together to, to all raise our children and keep them Catholic. Um, definitely, uh, Sir Sam Corda says, emphasize praying daily as a family, daily rosary together, uh, does so much to teaching, understanding the faith in general, a way to experience prayer and the habit of meditative prayer for the kids. What do you think? Absolutely. Family rosary. It's not always easy. Sometimes your kids are going crazy, but it's the rootedness of that, the, the habit. It's absolutely fundamental. Pray your family rosary every single day, especially at a set time. That's something that I know uh, Taylor Marshall mentioned it in one of his videos. I think he he had some uh, an elderly Catholic woman who was, I think, in her 60s or 70s had said to him that she still prays the rosary today because they did a family rosary every single night. I think the family rosary in, in many ways is kind of the answer to everything. Um, the... Because that is the rootedness of the family. Um, 
and you know, I forgot one other thing is that um, I want it, perhaps if God wills, I would love to provide um, instruction on Greek and Latin, teaching Greek and Latin, because in my view, I think homeschooling, I think we need to be teaching Greek and Latin to kids. I think this is actually something in the, in the 19th century, the common man in America actually knew Greek and Latin. They're, they were very educated. And this is something that we've totally lost. And I think when we, when we have Greek and Latin, it is so fundamental for restoring our Catholic culture, for having that Greek and Latin, for all of that it teaches you, all of the structure and linguistics and philosophy. And then you can read so much of the classical literature. And so that's another thing that... Uh, I, if God wills, I can have uh, time to do um, because I truly believe that it's also fundamental in terms of the education. Um, Dee's Knife says, been doing a nine-day novena for my deceased mom and the kids. Love it. Totally participate in the setup. Yeah, it's all about finding some thing that your kids love. I mean... When you're when they're before, this is what uh, impacted me a great deal, which we've which has really helped with our four year old is just parenting before the age of seven, before the age of reason is all about just connecting the cause and effect between good behavior is causes pleasure because they get rewards, bad behavior causes pain because they get punished, and with the traditions. It, it is so fundamental. I, I can't wait till next year when my son gets to beat up Satan, a Satan pinata on Michaelmas. Because it's, it, it's, he loves it. And this is the type of thing that you get them into, into a routine. I truly believe when, when we build those routines and those traditions before the age of reason, that's so fundamental. These little things, just getting chocolate on the 12 days of Christmas or something like that. You know, it's uh, fundamental, and I think this is needs to really be so much of our focus. It's raising our children, and this is our these are our, this is our duty. For most of us, we'll get married. Most of us will be married with children, and so for most of us, we need to be concerned about how can we raise our children and keep them Catholic. So, that's some of the mission of Meaning of Catholic. So once again, we ask you for your support, uh, prayerfully. Uh, your, your spiritual support, uh, your financial support, if you have the means. We're going to be covering more and focusing more on the spiritual life for Lent. And I would like to, I, I'm turning to my book manuscript March or April, and that's when Easter comes. And I, I would really like to start to focus more and more on raising children and keeping our kids Catholic and making a family home, a Catholic family, a home. It is so fundamental, I believe. And we've spent a lot of time on this apostle that um, just getting through a lot of important issues that need to be cleared away. And then I think when we get this foundation and we get the mechanics of the spiritual life, then we can really take hold of our duties as parents to raise our children. So the 
Um, here's a, Adorimia says, I want to educate all my kids. I just feel so alone and overwhelmed and books are very expensive. Homeschooling life hacks would be amazing and the community you speak of. Absolutely. That's, that is a completely, uh, it's, that is my thoughts exactly. I, I completely agree. And that type of a community, um, especially for, I mean, many homeschooling families, um, they do have some local community, but many do not. Many are isolated. Many Catholic families are isolated. They're far away from a Latin mass or they're far away from another other homeschooling families, and it's difficult. And we need to use the Internet to our advantage. We can connect with Catholics across the world on this. Um, Matthew's asking how to contact me. Uh, meaningofcatholic.com slash contact. You can contact me or Kennedy or Jeremiah that way. You need to contact any of us, um, but in terms of tech stuff, uh, working on that as well. So, also, once again, if you have any particular skills, anything that you are good at, anything at all, um, art, editing, writing, music, whatever, we want Catholic gifts to be used for this purpose, uniting Catholics against the enemies of the Holy Church raising our children, keeping them Catholic, so that the saints will arise. That is the mission of Meaning of Catholic. So, thank you very much for your support. Thanks for watching, if you've watched this far. Don't worry about liking and subscribing or sharing, because the tech Marxists are already after us. But, you can support us. So, let's pray. Let's offer up in our Father. Let's cheerfully embrace this suffering. Because we know that in suffering, we unite our souls to Christ crucified. Let us be glad and rejoice in suffering, brethren. Let us take up the cross and fight manfully against our eternal enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, so that we can convert the enemies of Holy Church in our own day. Let's pray. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater nostra requies in celis, sanctificeto nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tuas, sicut in celo et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis soldie, demite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, se libera nos amalo. Amen. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.